Welcome to all of you who are live here in the room right now. Uh, welcome to everyone who is joining us from our online family. So glad that you're with us. Welcome to everyone at Gospel Fusion and Traditions and BCM. Welcome to everyone from Blackhawk Downtown and Blackhawk Fitchburg. Man, it's, it's always great on a day like today to be able to gather together. One church and a whole bunch of, uh, of different locations. To my uh, Chinese uh, Mandarin-speaking friends, Dijon Ziemepingan, uh, to my Spanish-speaking friends, Bienvenidos a Blackhawk, estamos muy contentos de que estén con nosotros. So uh, I am uh, I'm actually really excited about the message that I get a chance to be able to share with you today. But we're doing something a little bit different. We have, we've been in this series that we've been doing right now called Summer Camp, where we've been looking at spiritual practices for the summer, uh, but we're actually going to punt away from that today to do something different. I'm actually going to give a little bit of a, of a vision message today, talking about um, where we have been and, uh, and where we are headed and the role it is that we all can play. And, and the original plan was that I was going to be giving this message actually back at the beginning of June, right, the week before the summer camp series started, and get to talk talk a lot about that series. But then for many of you, you know, my, my father, his, uh, his health started to fail. And uh, I ended up being down in Fort Lauderdale for a, a good amount of time then. He actually went to be with the Lord on June 5th right at the time that I was supposed to be giving that message. So we changed the plan, and, uh, but it was a message. I didn't want to just miss out on the opportunity to share uh, what I'm going to share with you today. And in all honesty, like as I've, as I've been processing my dad's death and everything that my family has been walking through with that, I'm actually really glad that I, I, I'm giving this message today because there is some perspective that... Um, I've realized in my dad's life that actually kind of fits into where we are headed just from the way that he lived his own life. So now for some of you, you're new to Blackhawk, regardless of any of our sites or venues, this might be like your first or second week here and you're like, oh great, vision message. I don't even know if I like this place and I'm hearing about the vision. If actually, if you're in that boat, I'm honestly so glad that you're here. Because I think that for a lot of us, like as we're sort of, you know, church shopping, checking things out, kicking the tires of a place, it can take a while to figure out what a church is really all about. And my hope is, is that this week in particular, you're going to be able to fast forward that process to really get more of a picture of who we are as a church. And I'm hoping that kind of helps you in, in, in understanding our community, our, our family here. And so in order to jump into that, um, I want to dive into scripture actually right away together. So if you brought your Bibles or if you have a, uh, a screen that you look at scripture on, to, uh, go to the first book of the New Testament, to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter five, and that's where we are going going to be kicking off together today. Now, Matthew chapter 5, this is the beginning of a, a sermon that Jesus gave called, that, known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's an incredibly famous sermon in scripture that Jesus gave. And actually, uh, if you want to do a deeper dive into the Sermon on the Mount, it's amazing, just amazing section of scripture. We actually, at the beginning of 2022, did an 11-week series on the Sermon on the Mount, if you want to go back and take a look at any of that. But um, let me dive into chapter 5, starting with verse 14, and we're just going to look at a few verses together. So that passage, uh, it says this, 
You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. It's interesting. One of the things that that we talk about around here is we look at the different ways that Jesus taught. Jesus was this master at taking everyday elements and, and helping us to see spiritual truths through them. He was just incredible at the way that he did this through all of his different teaching. In this particular situation, he is using this concept of light that I think that we can all read and go, okay, to some level, I get it. But it's interesting to think about when Jesus brings up this idea of light, of of what the original audience who was listening to him, what they would have been thinking about when they heard him say these words. Because actually, to them, it would have been a little bit of a curveball. You see, for any of his audience that was listening at that time, my guess is they were fairly familiar with the Old Testament scriptures. And one of the things that we see throughout the Old Testament is that when people talk about God, they would often use a metaphor of light. Part of it is because Jesus, or I'm sorry, because God actually, when he showed up at different times, showed up as light. Think, think back to the, the book of Exodus. God shows up to Moses and he does it in the form of a burning bush, a fire, that, that brings light. Later on, when he's leading the people of Israel out of Egypt, at night he did that by leading them as a pillar of, of light. And another place in scripture, King David used to talk about God as being light. One of the places, uh, Psalm 27, one, where it, it says this, it says, David said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I mean, God, God was a light I mean, think about this, that brought, that brought truth and clarity to all situations that he was a part of. Then, then hundreds of years later, when Jesus shows up on the scene, there are many places where he was called light. In fact, in, in the book of John chapter eight, he actually refers to himself as light. He says this, when, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, like, it's an important picture in scripture. Oftentimes, playing against this picture of good and evil, light and darkness, there is this picture that that we see of who God is and who Jesus is. And, And this is the way it's been used so far in scripture. So now think to an original audience. They've heard God and Jesus talked about as the light. And now Jesus in this sermon turns to the crowd and says these words, (laughs) you are the light of the world. So let your light shine before others that they might see your good deeds. Praise your father in heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, God, Jesus, yeah, we're the light, but you are the light of the world. Jesus was pointing towards the idea of now because of what Jesus was about to do, to give his life for the sins of all humanity so that anyone who places their faith in Jesus can now be in a different type of relationship with God and be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Now, now because of that, that, that followers of Jesus now have the opportunity to be light. That was true of them, and that is true of us today. And in all honesty, that's our calling. 
He doesn't say if you feel like being light. No, he says, guess what? If you're a follower of me, you are the light of the world. Regardless of what you do, regardless of how you spend your time, regardless of the situations that you find yourselves in, you are the light of the world. And I will be the one that gives you power to do what it is that you're being called to do. You're the light of the world. It's kind of like this. Um, let's say that uh, let's say that I am this little light bulb. Okay, I'm I'm a light bulb here. Um, it says LED on the top. My name is Led, um, Led the light bulb. And uh, I'm just kind of your typical everyday uh, energy efficient 75 watt, uh, you know, cool light, light bulb. And that's what I've been my entire life. And I live here in this little cardboard box and that's been my life so far. And uh, I was made in a factory, sat on a shelf there for a while. And then I was transferred to a place called Target. And I've been sitting on a shelf in Target for quite some time now with all kinds of other light bulbs. We're in this little neighborhood community. It's kind of great. I sort of love it. I've gotten to know all kinds of other people, different types of light bulbs who are there. You know, there are these new ones actually that just came in, these new bulbs, but they actually kind of look like old bulbs. Yeah, we call that the, the hipster section. Those are the bulbs that are over there. And then there's this other section you got to be a little careful with of these guys. They're like spotlight floodlights. You know, yeah, they... Let's just say they're a little intense with the way that they live their lives. But all of us, we kind of hang together on this shelf over in Target, and that's the way that our lives had always gone. At least that's the way that life was until everything changed. You see, this one particular day, I was just sitting there hanging out on the shelf in my cardboard box with all of the other bulbs, when all of a sudden there was this strange claw that came and grabbed me off of the shelf and put me into this metal cage that like rolled around. And all of a sudden I'm being taken throughout Target. I was taken to the front and they scanned my butt as they, you know, it went across. And then all of a sudden I was thrown in a brown bag with all kinds of random stuff, a pair of pants, some groceries. And I'm there in this paper bag until all of a sudden I find myself in this home. And then that strange claw again came and grabbed me and like had the audacity of taking me out of my cardboard box and took me and screwed me into this weird contraption, you know, in this room. I had no idea what was, what was going on as I was screwed into this thing by my feet and I'm standing there, no cardboard box, I'm naked in the middle of this room, I have no idea what was going on until all of a sudden the claw reached down and twisted this little thing. Oh. And let me tell you, I experienced something I had never experienced before in my life. I don't even know how to describe it. There was this like surge of energy that I experienced that I didn't even know was possible. And all of a sudden I looked at the room and it was bright. And I realized it was because it was coming like from me. Like I was impacting everything that was, everything that was going on in this room. It looked different because of the way that I was being used. This surge of energy coming up through me that was causing me to be able to impact everything around. Let me tell you, it was amazing. I've never experienced anything like it. It was like I finally realized, I finally realized what I was created for. You know, like, like when I think back, like life in the cardboard box, on the shelf at Target, like it was fine and it was safe and it was predictable. But when I found out what I was created for, let me just tell you, it made all the difference in the world.
that's the story of lead the light bulb. And this right here is what I long for every person in our church to experience. You see, because Jesus said in Matthew 5, he said, guess what? You are the light of the world. And so let your light shine bright, impacting others, that others, when they come in contact with you, that they might see your good deeds and they might praise your Father in heaven. And so for each of us, yeah, we're a light bulb. You know, I know that back then Jesus used lamps as the element, yet today, regardless if it's on your phone or if it's the headlights on your car or the lights that are shining on me right now, you're a light bulb. And God desires to be one who uses us to impact the world. You want to know when this experience happened for me? Um, first time I remember really experiencing that was actually my, um, my freshman year of college when I came home for the summer to live with my parents and I was asked by the church that I was at if I would be open to teaching sixth grade Sunday school for that time. And this was back, the church that I was at, they had like the church service, maybe you remember this, the church service and then the Sunday school hour and then a church service. And so, uh, you know, some people come to the early ones, some would come to the late, but everybody would be around for Sunday school hour. So there were like 18 to 20 sixth graders. They had no one to teach during the summer. So I decided, yeah, why not? I got some time on my hands. I'll teach Sunday school. Now, let me just tell you, if you jump in with B-Kids here at, at Blackhawk, that team does an amazing job to like set you up for success with everything that you need, supplies, curriculum, everything you need to teach, all the stuff. Like, yeah, it's all there. It, like, it's fantastic. For me, I received absolutely nothing. Like, I mean, no curriculum, no direction, no teaching, no training, like no, no budget, no snacks, no anything that I needed for everything. The only thing they gave me, they gave me a room number and they told me to show up at a particular time. And that was all that I got. And so I show up the first day, 18 to 20 sixth graders in this room. And uh, so I decided, all right, for the summer, maybe I'll like go through some of the parables of the stories of Jesus. And so I would do a little bit of studying on Saturday night. I would come in with like six to eight questions. We would hang out together and talk about stuff. And let me tell you, that summer, I loved it. I loved it so much because all of a sudden, I started to realize, like, if I would come in and have conversations, for some of these sixth graders, like, they were starting to ask questions, like showing that they really wanted to understand who Jesus was. It was like God was using me in some way to affect other people's lives. And look, I had grown up in the church. I mean, I had gone to church most Sundays. Like I read the Bible. I spent time praying. I had been in small groups, but there was something different about the way it affected my life when I began to see the way that God used me in the lives of others to help them understand who Jesus truly was. He was using me to impact others and it completely changed the way that I understood God. My relationship with God was different because of the way that he was powering me to impact others. And look, I know, I know that for some of you, regardless if you're watching online or one of our sites or venues, if you're here in the room, there are a bunch of you who are like, yep, I've experienced that. I know what that's like. You know, one of my favorite things here at Blackhawk is um, being able to, you know, being the senior pastor is being able to sit front row and, and hear stories of people who get lit up 
and the ways that they are used around here. And the bummer is that I think that for a lot of those stories, you all never get to hear them. So I I wanna tell just a couple different stories. I wanna tell you a story of, um, of a woman named Hannah. Actually, her name is Hannah Tu. Hannah Tu uh, is from Nigeria, and Hannah Tu has been a part of Black Hawk Church for a long time. Uh, her family's from Nigeria. They have been back and forth between Madison and Nigeria for the majority of her life. She did her studying here, and uh, she actually works at the Alzheimer's Disease Center for Research here at UW for, uh, as a project manager. She has been a part of our church. She's been involved in, in the care team. And, uh, but she began to realize as she was coming around Blackhawk, not just uh, at Brader Way, but at Fitchburg and downtown, that there were people who she was meeting and seeing around who were from the continent of Africa who were coming to our church. And so she went to our multicultural ministry, began to ask questions, put a team together that started to to create an environment for people from the continent of Africa to be able to gather together. And so just two weeks ago, I had the chance to go to the Blackhawk African Social Gathering happening after the second service down the hall in room 109. And as I walked into that room, like there were like, there were like 50-ish people all from all over the continent of Africa. Like it was just amazing seeing like the different people who were there. There were people there, look, from Tanzania, Nigeria, Kenya, Ghana, the Ivory Coast, Cameroon, Zambia, Botswana, Uganda, like, and more. And these people, look, most of them are here and they have no family and no community and they're trying to understand a different culture and fit in. And so Hannah, as I spoke with her about this experience and this opportunity these people had to be able to gather, we were emailing back and forth. Hannah actually shared this with me. She said, for Africans dispersed from their homeland, loneliness and isolation is increasingly becoming a known experience. Yet it is hard for people to speak up as mental illness is usually stigmatized to a great extent. And so the African gathering that Blackhawk allowed us to organize has truly created an avenue for us to begin intentionally and proactively to work towards building a community, does that sound familiar? That is focused on representing Christ and loving each other through hardship and good times. We hope to continue to live out our lives to the glory of God and God alone. You see, Hannah and her team, by what they experienced, (laughs) their light turned on. Because all of a sudden they see the impact that they are having and it's affecting their own walk with God. I want to tell you another story of uh, of someone here. Um, A a couple actually named Trevor and Emily. Trevor and Emily uh, moved to Madison uh, a few years back during COVID. They actually moved not to Madison, but to Portage from, uh, from Nashville, Tennessee. They had moved here for an opportunity, and, uh, and so during COVID, it was difficult to connect in with the church, but as, as things began to open up, they began to start coming to Blackhawk downtown. They had heard about our church, checked us out online, and, uh, and started to come, and they got connected into that community, got into a community group. And uh, so Trevor and Emily, they're actually a young family. They have a four-year-old and an eight-month-old, and yet even with that, they decided back in January that they wanted to start figuring out a place to serve. And both of them were musical, and so they got involved with our worship arts community, serving on a regular basis, helping to lead worship in our downtown 
community. And so the way that they would do life is they would drive in from Portage. They kind of offset weeks where one of them would be on and then the other one would be on. And, uh, and so the one who was on would get there really early for rehearsal and everything. The other one would come with their daughters for services. I mean, which is a lot for a young family. And yet when I, when I talked to Trevor and Emily about this, they said, Matt, look, to realize the way that God is using us, like to realize the way that like God has used us as a conduit for God's love for people downtown to experience has just been life-changing, life-changing for them. Trevor and Emily are people, man, who have become, I mean, their light is turned on. I gave him this light because I thought, well, it's kind of disco-y, and if you've got small kids, life is sort of like a disco anyway, so <laughs> there you go. Let me tell you about someone else, because the thing is, is God is not just, he's not just using, um, he's not just using our, uh, he's not just using our times where we're together, he actually continues to use what we're doing online. I want to tell you about a story uh, about a woman named Ruth. Ruth actually, uh, interesting story. She, Ruth started attending Blackhawk the very first week of COVID. She had, she had found out information about Blackhawk, wanted to get involved very first week that we were online was the first time that she connected in with our church. And God started to use what we were doing online in her life in a massive way. And it wasn't too long after that to where Ruth actually gave her life to Jesus, except placed her faith in Jesus for the very first time. And from that point, let me tell you, she was on mission. She got into a community group, got into an alpha course, anything that we were offering, Bible studies, devotionals. She was eating the stuff up as fast as she could. And it was, it was changing her life. She was getting up early in the morning to study scripture because she felt like with her being the age that she was, she was way behind everybody else. So she had a lot of catching up to do. And, and she got to the point where she realized that there were people online who weren't able to get into community groups because there wasn't space. So she stayed in her community group and began and to lead another community group online. Anyone who you talk to would say that her life was massively transformed. Well, just, and, and, and so as we started to open back up as a church, due to health issues that she has, she was never able to come back and be a part of our community within any of our sites. And uh, just a couple of months ago, um, Ruth passed away, went to be with the Lord. And... Uh, her, 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 her daughter, Rachel, and her family, actually some of them are joining us online. And uh, so to Ruth's family, Rachel and Ruth's family, just want you to know we, man, we love Ruth and are so grateful for the role that we got to play here in, in her life. Ruth was a person <laughs> whose light was turned on and she never stepped foot into any of our buildings. It's just incredible to realize the way that God continues to use our online church. And, uh, and so for those of you who are joining us online, like we just want you to know we are not going away from online. We are going to, even though we are out of COVID and we are doing in-person, we want to continue to fuel everything that we are doing with our online church. Uh, you know, it's funny to think about with what we created online. For us, as well as a lot of other churches, we kind of backed in to the online service thing because we were forced due to COVID. Um, and so... 
we kind of piecemealed things together to be able to do what we do anytime that you're watching online services. But our tech system here, it was created when this building was built. That was back in 2007. I, I mean, think about that for a minute. Back in 2007, yeah, the iPhone wasn't out yet. Like if things changed a little bit since that time, but we've just sort of piecemealed things together and cobbled things together to the point where things are even a little bit scary. There are times where like lights won't come on, you know, and we're wondering if we can do a service. Our system that we put together, our tech team calls it our Franken system, uh, just because of the way that it works. And so we're looking at ways to upgrade all of that. You're going to hear more about that in the future. But we want to do that because of stories like Ruth and people like her who are, lives are being changed by what it is that we do. But we know that also, like, those things are not just happening online, but they're happening in person as well. We're seeing more and more people who are coming back and getting involved within our church, coming to different services. And I know that at sites in different places, you might not always feel that during the summer because people are traveling, but trust me, there are lots of people who are wanting to be a part of our services. And so not only do we want to do online well, We've also made the decision that uh, as of the beginning of the fall, hopefully uh, around the first week of October, we're bringing our 4.30 service back. So our afternoon services are coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's eight people who clapped. That's amazing. So, <laughs> so um, now the interesting thing is I can tell you at our congregational meeting, when I mentioned that, there was cheering in the room. I don't know if people are just being polite right now, but there was cheering. Let me tell you, at a congregational meeting, there is never cheering. So, but it happened in that moment. It was unbelievable. And, uh, and so, um, yeah, we are bringing back that service. That means we're going to need all kinds of people serving. And so if God's stirring something in you, we'd love to be able to talk to you about that. But we want to bring it back because we see more and more people. We see the opportunities. But here's the thing. With adults who are coming back, it means that if adults are coming back, guess who else is coming back? kids. Exactly. For some of you, it's like kids are coming back. Therefore, adults are coming back because their kids want to be here. And I want to tell you a story about um, a particular volunteer in kids ministry who is a longtime Black Hawker, but has just recently gotten involved with kids ministry because of seeing the needs that we had. Uh, her name is Jenny. And Jenny has been a part of Blackhawk for uh, quite some time. This is a picture right now that you're seeing of her with her granddaughters, uh, who also are a part of Be Kids. And when we asked Jenny, when I got a chance to talk to Jenny about serving in children's ministry, she said this. She emailed this. She said, I find great joy and meaning through watching children grow in their knowledge and relationship and excitement for Jesus. I was cautious because of my age, thinking that I might be too old to fully engage. So I prayed for direction and guidance. And I know in my heart that this is where I am meant to be. I am incredibly grateful as it has not only deepened my faith, but also provided me with a new sense of purpose to show and teach children how wonderful and amazing God truly is. Does it sound like <laughs> Jenny is lit up? You see, all of these stories are stories of people who have seen the opportunity, felt the calling of God, and felt the power of God doing something in them that not only is causing them to be impacted, but changing their own walk with Jesus. And let me, like, I know I've said this, but like, as, as, as the senior pastor here, this, this is what I long for, for every person within our church. 
And so the thing that, the thing that I want to ask is, um, are you lit up? And, and if not, as you're, as you're looking at this fall, as you're looking at this becoming year, would you take some real time to begin to pray and ask God, where is it that he might have you? In other words, like what is your part to play in the big story of God and what he's doing? And we've got people around who would love to talk to you about that and ways to help you be able to figure out what that is. But let me, I, I, let me just stop and say something for a minute with that, because if, if you hear that in this message today, if the thing you take away is, yeah, Matt was asking us if we would get in the game and we would serve, so I need to find a place to volunteer because that's really the need, and you just feel the serve push. <laughs> if that's all you hear, I've totally missed the mark. Because, okay, do we have needs around here? Yes. It can be easy to walk into any of our sites and look and go, it looks like they have it all together. No, no, no. We have needs all over the place. But if all you're hearing is the needs, this, it is so much less about what I want from you and so much more about what I want for you. You see, I, like, I want you, I long for you to have the experience that I had in my freshman year where all of a sudden I saw the way that God was using me in the lives of other people and it changed my walk with him. I long for that for every person within our church. So would you get in the game with us? Would you ask the question, what's my part to play? And, and I know that for some of you right now, you could easily be saying, Matt, look, when I look at that, when I look at children's ministry, or I look at the different areas where I can volunteer, like I, I, don't know, like, I don't know if I look like any of those people. Well, guess what? Is there a single bulb up here that looks the same as all the others? You see, that's the idea. The idea is not that you try to transform yourself into one particular bulb. It's that you realize who it is that God's created you to be the bulb that he's made you to be within your unique lamp that you might have the opportunity to serve and, and, and to be a part of it, regardless if it's in the walls of Blackhawk or outside the walls of Blackhawk or with something in your neighborhood that we have the opportunity as the unique people God has created us to be to shine brightly for him. The other thing that you might be saying is, Matt, <laughs> I don't feel equipped. Like, I, like I'm not... Like, I'm not, I'm not a 75-watt cool white bulb. I, like, I don't have my stuff together. I don't know the Bible. I, I've really not spent much time praying. I don't want to pray out loud. That would be, that would be so scary. I, if you knew my past, you would not want me serving. I just don't know if I can come up with the power to actually be able to, like, generate any type of light. But if you're, like, if you're thinking that way, you're missing what it is that God says about us. His desire is that we would connect in to him as the source, this endless source of power. It reminds me of the story of one last person that I want to talk about for just a minute. It's a guy named Wayne. Wayne helps out here at our Brader Way location. He has been an usher forever here. And every Sunday that he ushers, just like any of our other people serving around here, he wears a lanyard that says, how can I help? And, and the reason why he has that is so that when people come in, they realize, okay, he's, he's there to help. And so he helps people find seats and do everything that they do. So at the end of this one particular service a little while back, Wayne's standing in, in the back of the room right here and saying goodbye to people as they're leaving. And there is a person who was obviously distraught, a, a man who was obviously distraught, who just beelined for Wayne because 
his lanyard said, how can I help? And so this person came back to Wayne and just looked at him and said, can you pray for me? And Wayne in that moment was like, hold on. I'm not on the prayer team. I'm on the ushering team. Those are two different teams. But you see, Wayne in that moment, as I talked to him uh, about this, he said that uh, there was just this prompting in him from the Holy Spirit to step into the moment. He stepped into the moment, stepped off to the side, had a conversation with this guy, just sat and listened as he shared the struggles that were going on in his life and then spent time praying for him. I mean, the room was basically almost clear by the time the two of them were walking out. (laughs) Wayne, Wayne got out to the atrium afterwards and he couldn't stop talking about the impact that that had on him. You see, because Wayne, he experienced what it was like to be the light of the world. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. City on a hill cannot be hidden, so let your light shine brightly that people might see your good deeds. You are the light of the world. There's this um, song that for, for many of us, anybody grow up kind of doing the Sunday school thing in a church, raise a hands, all sites, all venues? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, there is a song that I think that probably for all of us that we used to sing, I know is still sung today, This Little Light of Mine. You remember that song? You know, it's interesting. That song became so famous. It's actually in hymnals all around the country. But, uh, but that song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You know, and then there's that great line that says, um, hide it under a bushel. Oh, oh so yeah, you know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, back in the 90s and, 1950s and 60s, there were some uh, different gospel artists that got a hold of that song. And, uh, and started to change the melody just a little bit to a melody I think that for a lot of us we, we might know just as well. It goes, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You know, that song actually back in the 1960s, it, uh, it actually became... An, an anthem in the civil rights movement. There were all kinds of, uh, all kinds of uh, African-American pastors, Christian ministry leaders who would go to the streets to walk peacefully, protesting what was taking place back at that time. And they said that as they sang this song, it actually would lower their anxiety as they stepped in through abusive crowds coming at them. And they found that as they together as a group, as they would walk and they would sing this song, that it would actually de-escalate the the tension that, that they felt in the midst of these crowds that were on polar opposite sides. Think about it. The crowds back then, as they they would walk and they would sing this song, they would be walking into darkness of, of ugliness and hatred and bigotry with a song about the way that we all should live our lives. You know, the reality is, we all know this, we we live in a world, and there are elements of the world that we live in today that are just incredibly dark. And yet, the darker the night, the brighter the light. And we have the opportunity to be a community of people 
who have the chance in the midst of the darkness, regardless of what age you're at, if you're an elementary school kid, middle school kid, high school kid, college student, grad student, postdoc, here listening anywhere, online or in person, regardless of the stage of life that you were in and the color of your skin, to be able to (laughs) shine brightly as the bulb that God has created us to be. You see, my dad, he got that. He understood. He was a deep lover of Jesus. And, you know, as I was down in Florida with him in the last week or so, the last couple of weeks that he was alive, you know, the, the, the very last day that he was um, conscious to be able to communicate with us before he, he was in hospice for about a week where he couldn't communicate with us. But in those days, that last day that he was conscious and we were able to have conversation, he, um, I, I, I was headed into the church and the nurse who was working with him that day, um, pulled me aside and said, you know, um, your dad was talking to me about Jesus today, just making sure that I knew that Jesus loved me. The last day that he was conscious. And he was shining. Now just stop and think for a minute. What could God do for a community, a church like ours, if we became this community of Fitchburg and downtown and online and gospel fusion and traditions and BCM and all of you here in this room, what if we became a community who just, our goal in life we realized was to shine brightly. Whatever situation that we were in, you see the impact. If we lock arms as a church and run after the heart of God looking for ways that we can shine, the impact that we could have the difference that we could make in the world and the way that people experience like goodness and forgiveness and mercy and grace and justice and generosity, man, well, it could change eternity. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much that you're not just the light, but that you have given us the ability to be the light (laughs) that, that shines for your glory. Would you help us as a church to be able to do that? Not, not so that people see us individually, not so that people see Blackhawk church, but so that people see you. It might move people to you that eternity might look different by the way that you use us. Pray this in Jesus name. All God's people said, amen.